Hi friend, if you love the information you hear in the podcast, then you will love the free mini series of videos that I've put together just for you. It's all about the biblical blueprint for health and teaches you exact principles I've taught to thousands of Christian women that result in weight loss, better sleep, increased energy, clearer skin, and sharper brains. You can go to thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries to grab this free set of short, powerful teachings that will show you how to create better health God's way. It's at thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries. Go check it out now. Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? It is so good to be back with you. I had a nice break over the last few months, spent some good time with my family and friends, some good time in nature and some good time with the Lord. But I missed you. It was so weird not to talk to you here, not to be talking to my Christian Health Club members, not to be sharing food pictures. You know, I was thinking about it. I've been sharing my food photos regularly, almost daily for like four to five years. And while it was a nice break from doing that, I mean, it really was. It also made me feel kind of sad and more detached from you. So about two to three weeks into my break, I started keeping a food journal, writing down everything I ate and making little notes here and there because it made me feel like I was talking to you. (laughs) I don't know if that's sweet or pitiful, but you were on my mind and in my prayers constantly over the summer. I just can't quit you. Um, But I'm pretty sure this is the longest written record I've ever kept of my food. I'm just used to taking photos. Um, But I have this journal to give to you if you're interested in looking at it with the caveat that summer is when I am loosest with my dietary habits. I eat more carbs. I don't fast as long. I drink more wine. Such is the nature of summer. Longer days, looser schedules, less regiment, lots of social activity, lots of heck yeahs. I ate, drink, and be married for sure. If you're on my Sunday send out list, um, I already emailed the journal to you. If you're not, this is why you should be because I email fun things. But you can still get it if you go to the christiannutritionist.com backslash journal or if you just go to my website and look under free guides. You'll find it there under Chelsea's Summer Journal. Um, Click on it. I'll send it to you. I have to admit that I have been, am a little anxious about sharing it with you because it is so loose and probably not something you would expect from a nutritionist. In fact, I'm like, is this irresponsible (laughs) to share with people that I ate a Rice Krispie treat for breakfast or didn't eat vegetables for days at a time or had multiple desserts in one day or drank wine most days of the week? 
I mean, it probably would have been more efficient to say, you can just assume I drank wine unless otherwise noted. Um, that's what I did with my um, coffee and my supplements. I just kind of summarized at the beginning of the journal instead of writing it out every day. I just, you know, told you my my normal coffee and supplement routine um, so I didn't have to repeat it over and over. Probably should have done that with the vino too. Anyway, I'm kind of cringy about giving this to you because it's not meant to be like a stellar inspiring blueprint of how to eat and I do not want you to take it that way. The purpose is to be real and transparent and to show you that you don't have to be perfect. One thing I try to teach people is grace and sustainability in their eating habits. That is a big part of what we do in Feast of Fast. And my hope is that by sharing the grace I have for myself, you know, my, for my eating imperfection, you might give yourself some too. We don't have to eat perfectly all of the time as long as we have some core nutrition and good habits in place most of the time. Even though I overindulged a lot this summer, uh, a lot, I maintained my upgraded higher standard of quality with, you know, food and health habits. I remained gluten-free. I mean, that is a given. It's non-negotiable for me. I avoid the industrial seed oils as much as possible, although I do have a story I'm going to share with you in a minute. I make sure at least two of my meals most days have a healthy presence of protein. Um, I probably ate more fruit than veggies this summer. In fact, I'm pretty sure I ate my weight in cantaloupe because we get it at the farmer's market and it is just so fresh and sweet and delicious. But tis the season for more fruit, right? Um, I drink lots of water. It's a healthy habit I keep up with. I did my daily walk and my 10 times stronger workouts. Although I kind of in the beginning of the summer, I didn't get as many of my strength training workouts in as I wanted to. But then uh, towards the end of the summer, my daughter, she wrote these workouts and then she challenged me to do them with her. We called it Blair's Boot Camp. And so <laughs> she she cracked the whip on me and got me back to doing some workouts. So that was really perfect. Um, I got some super fast in not again, not as many as I wanted to, but I did get several in and, and they're so helpful each time. Um, I do them. I got a lot of sunshine and grounding time, which interestingly, I learned helps your body be a little more forgiving with the extra carbs. That's a topic for another day. But let me tell you that I read a lot this summer that reinforces everything about the Genesis prescription. So I hope you were doing it because I sure was. I will be adding more to that program in the future. Because as usual, science is starting to show uh, what is already revealed to us in God's word, you know, when it comes to the most important foundations of our health. So keep up with those Genesis prescription habits. Also with this journal, I want you to see that you don't have to count calories or obsess over macronutrient ratios. You won't see any of those numbers um, in the journal because I don't do that. I am mindful of my carbohydrate intake, uh, which is what I teach in Feast to Fast, but I don't hyper-focus on the numbers. Uh, like I said, I was definitely more feasty this summer. You might look at it and say, you call this being mindful of your carbohydrates? But um, but I was. I was more feasty than I normally am during the rest of the year when we're on more of a schedule. And as usual, by the end of the summer, I'm really ready to tighten things back up, as I think a lot of us are. Feast to Fast starts in two weeks. It's our back-to-school reboot round. 
And I always look forward to it because it's like a hard stop, like stop, hands up, stop sign, you know, at the end of the summer. Well, you know, it's not actually the end of summer, but it's when a lot of our kids are returning to school and there's just an aura of transition in the air that I think a lot of us feel whether we still have kids in school or not. So if you're in the same boat um, and are feeling like you're ready for a hard stop and a reset, join us for Feast of Fast. Registration is open and we start on August 22nd. Okay. In today's episode, I'm not going to go like day by day about what I ate. That is what the journal is for. And um, it's already, it's kind of long. I mean, I kept it for six weeks and I included some pictures and thoughts and some strategies about some of the things that I did. Today, I want to expound on some of that because I couldn't include everything I wanted to say or would have been like a book. So today is really meant to complement the journal and it will just give you some added insight. So to begin... I was thinking about how just I kept up with this journal at all, which is something I've rarely, if ever done for this length of time. I mean, I've tried, but then just kind of fallen off after a week or so. And I think that's because I'm an obliger, as we talked about last spring. And I don't really have that inner driver motivation unless I have honor accountability. This journal wasn't about being accountable. Like I said, it was literally to make me feel like I was in communication with you. Um, But that motivation was still there because it was extrinsic, extrinsically driven, right? Not intrinsically driven like an upholder would be. I don't know if you remember um, that I said I was going to do an experiment with the follow through challenge in my 10 times stronger program that we did in May, where people had the option of putting up an added $150, but they only got back if they turned in their food journal to me each week. That went really well. It was a little time consuming on my end, um, so I'm not positive we'll keep doing it. I don't know. I'll I'll talk to the Christian Health Club members and see what they think next time we do 10 times stronger, which will be in January, by the way. But I'm happy to report that everyone got their money back because they completed the challenge. You know, they turned in their, their food journals each week to me, and I know it was really helpful for them. So it turned out great. You know, you put some skin in the game, like a little dinero like that. And you're much more likely to follow through, especially if you're an obliger like me. But as I was keeping the journal, I really had to stay on top of it because you think you're going to remember what you ate, but a lot will slip your mind if you don't keep it current. Like you might generally remember that you had chicken parmesan for dinner, but you may not remember that you ate the leftover pasta off your kid's plate like I did, in which I noted in the journal because... One of my not so great habits is, you know, I'm always trying to work on it. It's an ongoing thing is to not eat the food left over on my kid's plate. And it just saying it just sounds so gross. Like I'm a pig eating scraps. And that's what I try to tell myself. I'm like, hey, be classier than that, than picking off, you know, people's plates. That's so gross. Um, And in this situation in particular, I mean, pasta is not even a heck yeah for me. So I don't know. I'm going to keep working on it. Uh, But the point I'm trying to get here to, this very roundabout point, (laughs) is what a lot of people don't realize is that there's an approach to nutrition research called nutritional epidemiology, which is the study of diet on the risk of disease. But a lot of it relies on data collected from food questionnaires that are given to people who are asked and expected to talk about what they've been eating for the last three or six or nine months or a year. 
I mean, whatever. I can hardly remember what I ate yesterday. The details get fuzzy really fast. Plus, people tend to block out the less than stellar food that they ate or those little picky pick things like I did. So it's a very unreliable method for drawing conclusions about health and nutrition. Like you might have a group of people with heart disease and ask them to fill out what they've been you know, eating for the last, you know, however long. And you might see all of them saying that, you know, this common theme of eating hamburgers and steak. And so then a conclusion will be drawn that red meat gives you heart disease. Never mind the candy bars that they didn't want to own up to, or the handfuls of nuts roasted in soybean oil that they forgot about, or that they only got four hours of sleep each night. I mean, it's grossly inexact and incomplete, and yet researchers will draw conclusions based on this, these correlations. But correlation is not causation. It's like saying people who eat popsicles are more likely to get skin cancer. The correlation is that people eat more popsicles in the summer when they're outside in the sun more. Does that mean that eating popsicles causes cancer? No. Correlation is not causation. And this is the frustrating thing about science. One of many. Another big one is that studies are often sponsored by companies with a vested interest in the outcome. So the, uh, the waters are very muddy there. And another frustrating thing about science is that you can find studies that prove completely opposite things on the same topic. <laughs> I mean, it's just why I generally take science with a grain of salt. You really have to do your homework about, um, you know, who paid for this study and, and all this good stuff. Um, I am just generally cautious and it's just why I rely so much on my Holy Spirit compass and looking into the word for truth. Okay, that was a bit of a tangent, but I just felt like this was a good opportunity to point that out to you. I mean, you try to write down everything you ate and drank over the last week and see how accurate you are. This experience reminded me of the downfall of these observational studies. And speaking of these opposite sides of science, just when I was kind of kicking myself over, um, my almost daily wine consumption this summer. I was listening to a podcast that mentioned a study on how women who drank two glasses of champagne had better vascular health and how polyphenols and wine help reduce oxidative stress. Uh, so see, I mean, you can pretty much find a study to support whatever it is you want in your diet. I did not go look at the study to see who paid for that. It was probably like, um, you know, a champagne company or something. <laughs> okay. Um, now here's something that I didn't include in the journal because it happened before I started writing everything down. I was eating a lot more tortilla chips than I normally do because there's this yummy vendor at one of the farmer's markets that my husband sells at. Um, and this vendor sells fresh ceviche. For you Texans, this is the Fredericksburg Farmer's Market, which by the way, their board is so particular about who they let sell at their market. They came out to the ranch. It's like an hour and a half away. They came to the ranch to check out our cattle operation and make sure we do what we say we do and that the animals are treated well and all that good stuff. I have never heard of such a thing, but it should make everyone who goes to the Fredericksburg Farmer's Market feel extra good <laughs> about doing that. Anyway, there's a restaurant in Fredericksburg, which is a, a very big tourist attraction. 
um, Fredericksburg is, but there's this restaurant called Nuri's and they sell at the farmer's market each week. So my, my husband's kind of befriended the owners and, you know, they have these great like ceviche and street tacos and all kinds of good stuff. And so my sweet husband brings me this fresh ceviche and homemade tortilla chips every week from the market. Now I eat tortilla chips when we go out for Mexican food. But it's rare. I mean, it's just rare that we eat out that much. Now, we do so more in the summer because we're on the move more, but we don't eat out that much. And so when I'm at home, um, I either eat organic non-GMO tortilla chips or more commonly I eat siete chips, which are made with cassava flour. They're grain-free and cooked in avocado oil, not one of the seed oils. But these chips that come from the restaurant that I was eating with my ceviche were definitely fried in a seed oil. That's because they all are at the restaurants. And it was those chips that are like really thickly cut. They're homemade, thickly cut, and it, it feels like they're double fried. You know what I'm talking about? Because they're extra crispy and they're just so good. But my skin did not like this. Not one little bit. No likey. My hydrogenitis superativa, the genetic skin condition I have, that is one of the big reasons that led me to nutrition and which I managed through my diet, it started flaring up. See, my body likes to express its displeasure through my skin. For other people, it might be in their joints or in their brain, like with depression or anxiety or in their sinuses. I, however, am genetically wired to purge toxins out of my skin, which actually we all are. Mine's just on um, hyperdrive because that's how I'm genetically predisposed and it's not fun but it it is obvious you know um, it's obvious physical manifestation um, that I can now pinpoint after 20 years of going to doctors and being prescribed pills and creams that didn't help at all now that I know what I know I can clearly connect those dots the seed oils you know flare up my skin condition and so that's what I want you to do is connect the dots. Remember the podcast I did with the psychotherapist who connected the dots and realized her onset of suicidal thoughts was from eating corn? I mean, she didn't need therapy or medication. She needed to stop eating corn. Y'all, I can't stress this enough. If you haven't listened to that episode, you absolutely must. It is incredible. It's episode 163. So go listen to it. So connect the dots. And I also wanted to point out that, um, yes, this is a genetic skin condition that I have, but just because you have a genetic predisposition doesn't mean you're destined to have something that only accounts for about 20% of your chances. 80% is determined by lifestyle and environmental factors like food. You have so much power over your health and it starts with what you put in your body and on your body. And I can tell you that industrial seed oils are doing you no favors. I can get away with a little bit, like if I'm occasionally eating chips at the Mexican restaurant, but my body reminded me pretty quickly that it was not going to stand for a weekly assault. So I just started eating the ceviche with my siete chips, which is what I should have done from the beginning. Um, I will also note that corn is one of the top allergens and inflammatory foods. Um, and let's not forget that it's what is used to fatten up animals like cattle and pigs. Um, you know, when you get that fatty, fatty marbling in your steaks, it's so interesting because grain fed cattle, um, like that are fed corn and soy, 
have fat that is more white and grass-fed cattle have fat that is more yellow because it has more beta carotene. Just kind of interesting. Um, I did eat a lot of beef this summer. No surprise there. And eggs. I ate a lot of eggs. It was nice because I kind of went on strike of cooking breakfast this summer because I do it every day during the school year. And I don't eat breakfast until after nine. So usually like during the school year, I get up, I cook breakfast, you know, everybody eats and then they go to school and then I go on my walk and then I come back and I eat breakfast. But in the summertime, you know, my kids get up later and I go on my walk. So I am in no hurry to cook breakfast and I'm just didn't feel like it. But what happened was, um, and I left my, you know, my husband just kind of had to fend for himself. But what the beauty of it was he started cooking breakfast. And so he made eggs for us like almost every day. And so I, my breakfast was usually pretty solid because I had a lot of eggs and a lot of cantaloupe. <laughs> um, but one thing I was going to say about beef that you will see in my food journal are these handy little snack bags of air-dried beef chips that I like. If you did 10 times stronger with me, you might know what I'm talking about. You will see them in the food journal as well as biltong, which is like jerky, but a little softer and with a higher protein content. Um, and I just, you know, I'm always trying to get more protein into my diet. So those are kind of nice snacky things and really things that, um, I take on road trips with me, you know, 90 99, I'd say almost a hundred, 99% of the time I am packing food for a road trip. You know, no matter the length, if it's five hours, 10 hours, I'm going to cover most of the basis of the meals we need by packing and taking it with us because, you know, if I'm going to go somewhere to visit friends or on vacation, I already know I'm going to be heck a lot and blowing it out when I get there. And so my strategy is not to add insult to injury by eating a bunch of junk on the travel days. You know, I just try to save that splurge for the destination and pack healthier options for the road. I mean, plus like fast food just does not do it for me, except maybe a few stolen waffle fries from Chick-fil-A from my kids. You will see that in my journal as well. Um, but I do have pictures um, of the beef chips and the biltong in my journal so you can, you know, see the brands that I eat. I felt like such a lucky duck when I was in Houston because I stopped by a Sprouts to get some packets of Ultima electrolytes. I drank a lot of those this summer and they were not only having a sale on the electrolytes, but also on the beef crisps. I mean, I literally bought every bag they had because it was such a good deal and I can't find them around here. So I just stocked up and I'm still working my way through those beef chips that I bought, but um, it was just a fortunate day. Got a double deal. I love when that happens. Speaking of protein, I did share this in the journal, but I'm, I'll elucidate here just to make it more clear. There were several days that I strategically used my essential amino acid supplement to support my strength training workout during a super fast. Honestly, it's not ideal to do a strength training workout on a, during your super fast, um, but for whatever reason, I guess it's because I had boosted ketone energy and I was just in the mood, like I had my mojo on to do it. So when that happens, I just got to roll with it, whether it's ideal or not. The reason it's not ideal is because after fasting for, you know, 18 plus hours, your body is in more of a catabolic mode, which means breaking down instead of building up. And that's great. I mean, that's part of the great thing of a fast. We're breaking down toxins. We're burning fat. 
Um, those are what we want to happen during a fast. But it's not a great time for supporting muscle growth, which is an anabolic or building up process. So what I did is take an essential amino acid supplement about 20 minutes before my strength training workout. Um, 20 minutes, eh, I think it's actually more like 22 or 23 to be exact, is about how long it takes to get into your system and to deliver those amino acids to support muscle protein synthesis. So that's how I timed it. Now, the essential amino acids don't break your fast fat burning wise, but they can break autophagy, which is the cellular cleansing process and a part of what we love about um, longer fast. We're going to talk about this a little more next week, uh, which is an episode about clean versus dirty fasting. But I specifically timed the essential amino acids to the last minute, like that last 20 minute window before my workout so I could prolong um, the benefits of fasting and break that autophagy as late in the game, you know, as I could. So it went something like this. I was say 20 hours into my fast, I'd already done my daily walk while fasted. And then I took the amino acids, knowing that it would break my autophagy, but not my fat burning, wait about 20 minutes, go do my strength training workout. And then typically, I would eat 30 minutes to an hour after my workout to officially break my fast with food. I hope that makes sense. It's just one of those little strategies that makes sense to me. Um, and maybe it will help you when you see it laid out in the journal. But I thought it would be maybe helpful to describe here as well. I also integrated a new detoxy thing into my routine. You'll see reference to a Queen of the Thrones wrap in my journal, which is a ready-made castor oil pack. Now, I have done DIY castor oil packs before. They've just been kind of hanky-jank, you know, just kind of pulling together things I have around the house. But the Queen of the Thrones kit comes with or an organic cotton wrap that kind of ties around your your body, your trunk area, um, and organic castor oil. And so you don't have to worry about if you're doing it right or not. It just you have everything that you need and it's high quality and it's super handy. And let's be real, Queen of the Thrones is just like the best name ever. So all you do is simply pour a little castor oil on this cloth and then wrap it and tie it around you and let it sit for like an hour. I mean, I did mine for longer. Um, actually slept in it several times. I don't think that's recommended, but sometimes I like to push it. Castor oil packs are known for promoting liver detoxification, lymphatic drainage, and colon cleansing. Castor oil has been used in healing modalities and beauty treatments for thousands of years. I mean, Cleopatra was said to have used it for beautification purposes. Maybe you've heard of it um, for using castor oil on your eyelashes to make them grow. They're supposed to stimulate a lash growth. Uh, the Queen of the Thrones actually has an eye compress kit that's um, supposed to improve sleep and lessen dark under eye circles and boost the lash growth. They actually have several different wraps options. You know, that one for your, your eyes, one for your liver, one for your thyroid, one that says it's for fertility, but it's just a larger wrap that you can put around your stomach or on your back. Um, I have the bigger one. And, and I did link to this in the journal. So you can check it out when you, when you read through it. And you know, what's really cool. I read that during the middle ages, the castor oil plant came to be known as Palma Christi, which means Palm of Christ in Latin. And it's thought to be called that because of its healing nature. Isn't that neat? I just love that. And it reminds me of Ezekiel 47, 12, that verse that says, 
Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Isn't that beautiful? It reminds us that God provides healing compounds and plants. I think a lot of people would think something like a castor oil pack is hokey, but why are we surprised to find natural remedies from nature? You know, our mighty creator provides. Of course, he made things available to us in creation. One of the other little detoxy strategy things I did this summer was timing some of my supplements around a massage. Massage is great for improving lymphatic flow and for moving toxins to be released by the body. So I had a one and a half hour massage scheduled um, for around 10 a.m. one morning. Listen, I don't even mess around with a 60 minute massage. That's just like a tease. Just I'm I always get a one and a half hour. Why not? So anyway, I had one scheduled for 10 a.m. I got my walk in before that. And when I was fasted, as I usually am, so I extended my fast and was fasted during my massage. And before I went, I took an extra dose of Tudka from Cellcore, which is a liver gallbladder uh, support supplement. And then I also took one of the Cellcore binders. I think I had biotoxin binder with me. I kind of rotate the binders. Um, And I was in Houston at the time, which, yes, I do not travel light. I travel with all kinds of supplements. It's a a little bit obnoxious. But see, like in this case, I was really happy that I had them. And and I was a little bit sad because I did not have my lymphatic supplement because that would have been perfect to take as well. But I just took the liver gallbladder and the binder. Um, You know, the massage kind of stirs up those toxins. So a binder is helpful to bind them up and help take them out of the body more efficiently. Um, so that was kind of fun. And the massage was fabulous. And I, I just optimized it by uh, making all of these detoxy elements work together. You know, the fasting, the exercise, the massage, the supplements. So just something to keep in mind, you know, next time you have a massage, for sure, get the one and a half hour <laughs> Um, treat yourself. I think massages are wonderful for um, health maintenance and you can um, optimize it if you have some of these supplements on hand. I would encourage you to use them. Okay, I think that's a good place to wrap up because everything else in the journal is pretty self-explanatory, including how feasty I was. (laughs) Again, tis the season, uh, but the season is winding down and I am looking forward to tightening things back up in Feast of Fast, which starts in a few weeks. So come join us. Registration is open now at feastoffast.co. You will be in good co, in good company, when you join our group of fellow believers who want to put God first and honor our bodies as vessels of his love in the world. I think Feast of Fast is just such a great way to put more God into your day, you know, because we keep him very present during the month of this health challenge. And it's just a great way all around to kick off the school year. You know, we're reschooling our health and our spirit all toward his good purposes. It is so, so good to be back with you. I reflected a lot over my break on how blessed I am to have this community where we can geek out on health and love our Lord together. And I'm just so grateful. All right, my friends, I hope you have a healthy and blessed week, and I will talk to you soon.
friends remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.